0: Let me let me turn some light on. Is it kind of dark? So I can see everybody falling asleep now. This is much better. Um, welcome to Sojourn Presbyterian Church. It's good to see everybody here today. Um, and uh, just thankful for the ability to worship we've had some technical difficulties today it seems like every week we have something because we're trying to stream this and do this live and uh, so we got a little off to a late start so those of you who are at home streaming hopefully um, you're getting this well enough um, if you know anything about me you know that I probably not probably but I've lived in probably I think eight or, eight or nine different states in this country Most of them were in the middle between California and New York, and so mostly in the southern states. And growing up uh, in those places at that time, in my generation, I was the only Asian usually in my school, and everybody else was pretty much Caucasian and southern Caucasian. And uh, like many of us who who experience similar things, um, you know, you study, and oftentimes the Asian stereotype is you're oftentimes good at math right? Um, and, uh, and I was good at math. I was, I was good at everything, okay? But uh, English was my forte, uh, believe it or not. It was a little different. And to be honest, I took pride in that uh, because, you know, I was the only non-Caucasian kid in this class who was better at English than everybody else in my class. And so uh, it, it was sort of a pride issue for me. But if you know anything about English, or if you are interested in anything about literature, you know that when you come to read a book, any kind of book, you've got to understand what genre it is, right? And it's the same thing with the Bible. It's an amazing book because it's not just one book. It's 66 different books over across of many, many years. Different people, different genres, and yet somehow the story connects. And it, it's, really, it's really amazing. That's why it was on the you know, bestseller list for so long. But the point here is this, that the Bible is not just a theological textbook. There's many different genres in the Bible as well. There's history, uh, there's song, there's poetry, uh, there's some drama, there's stories, parables. And there's a lot of metaphors and a lot of similes used even in the Bible. And one of the metaphors that we've been looking at in the past two weeks and continuing today is this metaphor of light and darkness. It's a metaphor that the Bible uses. Let me just give you an example. I mean, we see this theme even unfolding from the very beginning of the Bible. You know Genesis chapter 1, right? You know the very first couple of verses. The very first words that God speaks is what? Let there be light. Let there be light. In Genesis 1 verse 2, it tells us that the earth was without form and void, that darkness was over the face of the deep. And it was into that world of darkness, God spoke those very words. Let there be light. It's the very first words of the Bible. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because if you read the Bible carefully, there's no sun. There's no moon yet. (laughs) It's created later, isn't it? So if you were to come to read the Bible this way scientifically, then of course, it it doesn't make sense. How could there be light without any stars, sun, or moon yet to be created? But if you read it thematically if you read it metaphorically then it tells you not how things were made it tells you who god is that his very presence his very presence his very glory is the light now how do i know this because you go to the end of the bible in revelation chapter 21 verse 23 you're told about this new heaven and new earth it's a vision of the last things and in verse 23 this is what john says the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of god gives it light and its lamp is the lamb so there you go like the book ends of a story the light in genesis chapter 1 looks forward to the end of the story in revelation where god reveals himself to be the light of the world to come, and the lamp is the lamb. Now you come to our passage where we've been for the past couple of weeks, and the Gospel of John is trying to tell you who that lamb is, who the lamp is. John is trying to tell you who this Jesus is. And in fact, you look at chapter 1, verse 4 of John, and it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. So John here in our passage is telling us What Genesis and what Revelation is always trying to allude to, that Jesus is the Lamb who is the light of the world to come, and he shines in the darkness. That's why in verse 12, Jesus makes this awesome claim, I am that light of the world. God with us, Emmanuel, who is light, is now with us. All right? That's the introduction. Now, there are three points that I want to give us today that I think helps us to kind of see what that has to do with us right? And there's three things. There's light with us. There's light for us, okay? And the light is us. There's light with us. There's light for us. And the light now is us. So let's look at those points really quickly. The light is with us, If you ever search for a flashlight or a candle, like in a power outage, you can understand why the authors of the Bible, why John feel the way they do about light, because darkness can be scary. That's why all the scary movies happen in the dark, right? Voldemort, in Harry Potter's story, is always hanging around in the shadows. Uh, Monsters like vampires only come out at night, and they avoid the light. If you ever watched Star Wars, you know Darth Vader. What was his temptation? Come to what? The dark side. Darkness can be scary. And when you're in the dark, you really can't see where you're going. And your imagination runs wild. And anything could be out there waiting to gobble you up. And so it always feels good to turn on that little beam of light and finally see. And this is an important picture for us, I think. Because it's a what I think a lot of us live with. That our world, or maybe your world... Can sometimes be a very dark place. That your life, you might find it to be very confusing. You're not sure why things are happening the way they are. Or there's the unknown. You're not sure what's going to happen in the future and you're scared. And you're waiting maybe for some light to just break through. You just want this. Situation to be gone. Your world, you live in a world Maybe that you feel like you're in the dark. And you know what the first thing you do when you're in a scary place, right, and all of a sudden the lights go out and you're dark, what's one of the first things we want to do? The lights go out, I want to grab on someone. I want to hold on something scared. So you immediately start reaching out and grabbing someone. Because you don't want to be alone. You don't want to feel alone in the dark. Loneliness is in the dark. Verse 12, Jesus claims, I am the light of the world. And we said from a couple weeks ago that he's connecting, John is connecting this passage with Exodus chapter 13, where the Israelites in the wilderness, there was that light, the pillar of light that guided him through the dark. And it meant, basically it meant that they weren't alone, those Israelites. That they had someone to cling to. That, that God was with them. And, and sure, when they were going through the wilderness, they, they felt alone. There were many times they felt abandoned, left in the desert to die of hunger or thirst. But at the end of the story, we know in retrospect, that really wasn't the case, was it? They felt like it, but it really wasn't the case. And it means this, that if light is now with us, that Jesus is with us, you are not alone. You are not abandoned. It means that whatever disease that you are are wrestling with and struggling with, as hard as it is, you are not alone. It means that whatever family relationships are strained in your own family and you feel like you're the only one that has to deal with this, you're not alone. It means that when you fail things in life, where you feel like you fail things at school or at work or at home and you just feel terrible, you are not alone. You might feel like you're alone. You might feel like you're abandoned. But in fact, the reality is, according to the Bible, you never were. So remember this, that the next time you feel like you're in the dark, the next time you feel alone to deal with whatever it is that you need to deal with, this is the promise of God for you when Jesus says he is the light of the world. He's light with us. Light with us. But the second point here that I see is not only is he light with us, but he's light for us. He's not just with us, he's for us. You see, because there isn't just darkness in the world, in our lives, in circumstances around us. There's also darkness in our hearts. Darkness in our hearts. You know, John chapter 3, John says this. This is the judgment. Light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light. There's darkness in our hearts. What, what, is that? what does that mean? What does John mean there? What do you mean that I love darkness? How do I love darkness? Think about it. Are you cynical? Are you always angry? Is it easy for you to hate? Do you easily become jealous? Because it's easy, isn't it? It's easy to just get angry. It's easy to become jealous. It's easy to become sin, uh, you know, cynical. And it's so easy to sin. We walk in that all the time. That's a kind of darkness. Some of us here, to be honest, we walk around with a dark cloud over our heads all the time. Everything we see is kind of negative. It's, it's darkness. Isn't that a contradiction? How can someone say that they believe in Jesus Christ, who is the light, and yet walk in darkness? How can someone who believes in Jesus, who says he's the light of the world, and always be angry, always be hateful, always be bitter, always be cynical, always continue in sin? And there are only two possibilities that I see. One is, well, the reality might be you're really not a Christian. You're not really following the light. You're not trusting in it. You say you do, but maybe you don't. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, John says, If we say we have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie. We don't practice the truth. And that might be a couple of us here. But the second option is this. You are a Christian. Maybe a very weak one, but you're still a Christian. You're just really struggling to see the light. And to be honest, I think that's most of us. That's that's certainly me. Because the truth is, even if you are a Christian today on this side of heaven, there's always still a little bit of non-Christian in all of us. You could be a Christian today and still struggle with some of that darkness, some corner of your life, some part of you, where there's still darkness that you still love. And we struggle in those places to see light. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Because this is the kind of darkness darkness inside of us that you just can't self-discipline your way out of. This is the kind of thing that you just can't church attendance your way out of. This kind of darkness is not something that you can just volunteer and do some good things your way out of. I'm not sure where you are this afternoon and what you're struggling with uh, deep down inside, um, what darkness you might find yourself in, You might feel that there's been a lot of heavy and and deep patterns in your life, longings in your life, behaviors in your life that are just not healthy and not good. You might feel like they'll never go away and that they will always be with me. And if that's you, here's Jesus Christ and he's calling you. He's called out to you out of your darkness and into his light. Look at what verse 12 says in chapter 8. Listen to this again. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. And I want you to notice about something about this verse. The verse does not say that if you follow Jesus, you'll never be in the dark. It does not say if you follow Jesus, you'll never walk in darkness. It doesn't say that. But the promise here, there's a promise of hope here. Jesus as light of the world promises you Not that you will never find yourself in a dark place. Not that you will never walk in darkness. But he promises you that you are not destined to continue to walk in darkness. That's what the verb here means. The word walk here is an ongoing verb. Continuing to walk. He's promising that you are not destined to continue to walk in this darkness. No matter how dark, no matter how deep, no matter how long, no matter how hard. And there are two reasons for this. One is what we just said. He's the light of the world. He's with us. He can't be taken from you. No distress, no tribulation, not even sin. Romans chapter 8, verse 39. Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God. That's the promise. He's with us. But not only does he meet us where we are in our dark. In fact, he's never left us. But the second thing here we see is that he's for us. Why? Because he delivers us from the dark. He's not just light with us in the dark. He deals with the darkness itself. How do I know this? You know, in the Gospel of Mark, uh, when you read the end of it and you look at the crucifixion, in verse 33, this is what he says. The sixth hour had come and there was what? Darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. In the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lebexamaktani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus Christ is here at the cross where they're going to nail him to a tree. And there comes a moment in the experience of Jesus when he is lifted up from the earth onto that cross. And then the Bible tells us for three hours in the middle of the day in Jerusalem, Darkness over the land. Darkness. Do you know what that means? Do you know what was happening? Here's the thing. Jesus knows your darkness because he experienced it himself. Darkness on the cross. In fact, in order to deal with our darkness, to take away that darkness, Jesus, the light of the world, will be buried in the dark. In order for us to see the light, the light of the world had to go into the darkness of death. In order for us to never be condemned, uh, never, you know, be be able to stand open in the light without guilt or shame or condemnation, Jesus, the light of the world, he's going to be cursed with the darkness of death on the cross. Not just so that you could endure a momentary moment of darkness in your life, but to live with hope. To live with hope in this world, but also in the next, Jesus, the light of the world, must die. So on that cross, Jesus was taking upon himself the darkness of our human condition. He knows your darkness, he's experienced it, but consider this, he doesn't just know your darkness, he also knows darkness you will never have to know. Sometimes you might feel alone in your dark, Sometimes you might feel abandoned in moments in your life. But look at here at the end of Jesus' life. It's him who cries out in the middle of his darkness. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He experienced utter and complete abandonment so that you wouldn't have to. That's what the cross was about. That's why Jesus is able to say in verse 12 of our passage, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. But what? We'll have the light of life. Yes, there is darkness. Yes, our light can feel dark, and it sometimes feels like forever. But there's light. And do you know where the light shines the brightest? When you're in the dark. You are not alone. Someone there knows what it's like. Someone who is with you. And not only just with you, but someone who will deal with the darkness that you ultimately struggle with. He's not just light with us, but he's light for us. Okay? Now, here's the last point. And this is where we're gonna take this as a jumping point for the rest of the summer. Not only is light with us, not only is light for us as he deals with the darkness on a cross, but now (coughs) light is with us, or not light is, light is us. Okay. The light is us. Now, just just follow me along here, okay? Sometimes I feel like it's it's gonna get boring, but just, just follow along. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, and he's talking to his followers, you are light of the world. In John chapter 12, he says, you are sons and daughters of light. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8, you are light in the Lord. First John says, you now bear witness to the light. First Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says, you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Isn't this interesting? Here it go, God the Father, he's the God of lights. He's light. And then here in John chapter eight, Jesus, I'm the light. And now we see other places in the Bible, it says, you're the light, you're the light. How is that possible? And that's why we read this long passage because after verse 12, there's a lot of stuff that goes on after verse 12 from verse 13 to verse 29. And we're not gonna go completely over it, but I want you to notice this, okay? There's a reason why it's there. Seven times in this passage, seven times, Jesus points to the fact that there's a relationship with his father. There's a relationship with his father, okay? Seven times, at least seven times in this passage, he talks about his relationship with his father. That he's from the father, that he speaks on the authority of his father, that he's going to go to the father, and that he does nothing on his own. There's an emphasis in these verses on his relationship with God the father god is the father of light he is light but jesus says in verse 12 i'm the light of the world and that's why the jewish people wanted to kill him not here but later they wanted to kill him because they knew what he was saying only god is light who do you think you are are you saying there are two lights the father is light now you're the light But the reason Jesus emphasizes his relationship with the Father in this chunk of passage in our our verses in our passage, the reason he emphasizes his, his connection with God the Father tells us something. It tells us how Jesus is the light of the world and how he is the light of the world is precisely because of his relationship with his dad. Jesus is light of the world because he comes from the Father, because he speaks for the Father, because he's going to the Father, and he is one with the Father. And the reason why Jesus can say, I'm the light of the world, is because he reflects his dad's light, because he's his son, and he looks like his dad. He's the only begotten son of the Father, and he looks like his father. And that's why John chapter 14, Jesus says, you see me, you see the Father. And this is the only way that Jesus could say that he's the light of the world without being heretical. How is he light? Are there two? No, there's only one, but he is light because of his relationship to his father, and he reflects his father's light. Now, here's the question. How does the Bible say you are light? If God is light and Jesus is light, how can Paul, how can Jesus call you now light? Paul says in Ephesians 5, verse 8, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Paul says this, You are darkness. You were in the dark, so to speak, in your weakness, you know, in, in your sin. You were children of the dark, so to speak. But now, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, saved by Jesus Christ, who is light of the world, guess what? You have now been made a part of his family. You are now adopted as sons and daughters of a living God. Jesus is your brother, and God, God is now your father. And just like Jesus and his relationship with his father, now because of your relationship with your father in heaven, you are not darkness. You are light. And you, therefore, reflect your father's heavenly light. You are now the light. So Paul says in Ephesians 5, Walk as children of light. Because light is with us. The light is now for us. And now the light has become us. By our relationship with him. Now let me give you a few things to think about as we think about what that looks like in our lives. Am I light? Am I light? (laughs) Am, Am I shining? You know, the way to ask that question is not introspectively. Looking inside yourself, trying to see if there's light in you. The way you answer that question is not introspectively, but extrospectively, if that's such a word. To look outside of you, because here's the thing. The thing about being light is that it's not you, but everyone around you that notices how you shine. It's other-focused. And so let me just give you three things I think that we could think about as we think about being light now because of what Christ has done for us. Number one, when you live as light, there's something attractive about you. There's something attractive about light. Ask yourself this question. You are the light of the world. Is there anything beautiful about you? How do you take criticism? How do you treat others? When trouble comes your way, how do you handle that? And when people see that, and how you do that, is there anything wonderful about what they see? Is there anything amazing about how they see that happening in your life? Second thing, if you're living as light, you not only live with some kind of attraction, people are attracted to you, but secondly, you live courageously. You know, I I did youth ministry for so long and I hated it. Uh, Those of us here who, you know, we're in my youth group, well, Danny, <laughs> he's the reason I quit. Abe was, you know, but anyways, um, it, you know, and one of the things I hated about youth group, retreat, youth group is the retreats. Because, you know, that time, all the bad kids came to the retreat. All the good kids stayed home. It, you know, so you're basically running boot camp. You know, and, and one of the things we had to do is we had to like um, you know hire people to guard the door so they don't sneak out and do something stupid. And the other thing I had to do was walk around with a flashlight because you know the kids at that age, eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, you know, high school, sometimes even now, they they sneak out and they do dumb things, you know. Things that probably they could go to jail for now. But, you know, it's just things that they do. And so what do you do when you have a flashlight? You go around and you shine it. You know, and you look in the corners and see where they are. And sometimes you catch someone, you shine the light on them, they're exposed. You, ca- you catch one of them, right? They're smoking whatever they're smoking. And you, you just busted them. You've got light. You've exposed them. You see, when you live as light, you're not gonna just be attractive to people by how you handle the everyday things of life. You also need to be courageous. Because just being you as light, just doing you, doing things normally, it's gonna expose people, it's gonna expose wrong. You know? You know, you're, you're at work, and, you know, the, you're, you've got some deadline to meet, but you're doing everything by the book. You're doing everything by the details, and everyone around you is saying, look, why are you working so hard? Don't work so hard, because if you work hard, it makes us look bad, and so don't look work hard. You know, but, you know, you're just doing what you do, but it exposes it, and you're tempted to give in. Okay, so I won't work hard just to feel everyone bad. It doesn't make any sense. You know, maybe maybe like you know, you're a waiter and you're earning tips, but you're reporting to the IRS every tip that you make, every tip, and all the other waiters are going, don't do that, don't do that, because if you do that, then we're going to look bad, and then we're going to have to report it, and we might get in trouble. So you're making us look bad. You're just doing what you're supposed to do. But people are exposed. And you're tempted to not be a light. And if you live like that, you're a coward. So live following the light. Live courageously. And last but not least, live hopefully. Live hopefully. If you live like the light, if you are the light, you live with hope. C.S. Lewis in his famous passage, he says this, quote, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see the sun, but because by it I see everything else. Someone who lives with light, they don't just see good things. But by it, they see everything. How they see things is interpreted with the backdrop of what they know about God. So that even in their darkest moments, they're not overwhelmed. But they are able to view things in a way that says, but here's God. This sucks, but here's light. This is terrible, but here's Jesus Christ. This is hard, but here's the Lord. There was a Jewish prisoner. Didn't make it, but... Apparently inscribed on the side of the walls, a very dark place. On the side of the wall during World War II, it was written this. I believe in the sun even when it is not shining. I believe in love even when I cannot feel it. And I believe in God even when he is silent. You can't say that unless you're light. Live hopefully. Hopefully. People need hope. You need hope. Those around you need hope. Let me just end with this. Sarah Bessie, a writer and author who suffers with chronic illness, has a very popular book called "Making Peace with an Evolving Faith." And it's mostly written towards women, but for women, but he, she says this quote, "I don't want to be swallowed up by the darkness, nor do I want to be blinded by a beautiful facade." No, I want to be a part of a people who see the darkness, know it's real, and then, and then light a candle anyway, and hold that candle up against the wind, and pass along this light wherever it's needed, from our homes, to the halls of our legislation, to the church and its pulpit, and even into the kitchens of our world, end quote. That's what light is. That's how it lives. There's light with us, there's light for us, and now the light is us. Walk. Walk as children of light. Let's pray.